And we are live for another awesome episode of First Strike. I am stoked to hear about some one of my best friends rant about competitive magic. Before we start the show, I gotta plug our sponsor, facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your magic gathering singles. This week, select modern singles. Modern's getting really hot, and we can't wait to I can't wait to dive into the new kings of the modern format with John. John's in. He's shown me. He's shown me screenshots, the receipts of him being in multiple cabals, breaking format left and right. So we'll get down to that. But let's introduce our guest, recurring guest, number one recurring guest. And when I asked last week what people liked about First Strike, uh, give me some positive feedback about certain aspects that they love about the show. They mentioned Shaheen. Bring back Shaheen Sarani more often. So welcome back, Shaheen. You know, it's my my number one pastime, my friend, is First Strike podcasting. Just any uh, little KYT podcasting. You, you go, we go far back. Uh, talk, talking about the days of me staying in your mom's basement to, you know, traversing the Grand Prix world. But, uh, you know, I come today with some somber news. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, so let's get let's get straight down to it. I mean, it's it's there's was a lot of doom and gloom right after um, how how they replace certain NPL members and how they added challengers to the, the last arena championship. People thought they, you know, the criteria wasn't clear or they weren't, they were focusing more on people that had Twitch followers uh, versus people that maybe may have deserved more uh, based on their playing merits and we're here. So um, where, where did it start for you, for, for you to start being sad? Well, the the NPL is a flop um, by every metric you can think of. I mean, Magic is not going anywhere. Competitive Magic is still like popular, thriving. People are still going to events and trying to qualify. But if you're talking about bang for buck, they I feel like the whole premise is short term gains, um, and they're really pushing for short term gains, big profit margins at the beginning, but. Like I said, every content producer you know, every person who writes articles or is on a podcast or anything, grinded competitive magic for the most part, minus a few. I mean, there are some casual players that are big content producers and pretty popular. But if you go through every website, they're gold pros, ex-gold pros, ex-silver pros, ex-platinum pros, because these are people that tried the system, did okay in the system, made enough of a name for themselves in the system to become somebody. And that applies for everyone in the MPL. So now with that system being dissolved, they are going to, sure, they still have all these names floating around, but there are entire classes of people that are like in my class, like the two, I'm the 2006 class for competitive magic. I mean, you can go through the line. Those are going to be, those are going to vanish down the line. They're going to vanish in the future. Um, because if you're focusing on this 32, top 32 unachievable, no metric deciding um, best players thing, um, that's going to be a huge problem down the line. So that's that's my biggest problem is I know why they're focusing on 32. They want household names. They want to market these people. Um, when you have 500 names, it's a lot harder uh, in their mind, but they're not considering third-party websites that have made this game great. Like, I mean, these face-to-face -face games, Star City Games, Channel Fireball, you go down the line, each website has hundreds of people that have gone through there that have made the game better and that have brought more people into the fold. And that's why it's the best-selling, you know, CCG out there. Um, and if you think about the negative impact this will have down the line, like I said, it's going to be tremendous. So um, destruction of the pro system is really 
a big miss uh, oversight or uh, just just a big face plant for the company. I've been I, I joked around with you in a message. I said I was, I've been a corporate shill for Watsy for you know 15 years. I never criticized them because they get a lot of flack. They've gotten so much flack over the years for stupid things that never have mattered. Everyone's complaining about things that don't matter. So when they finally do something that's absolutely outrageous, um, that's going to affect competitive play and professional play and just the fans that look up to all these players, like a Christian Calcano uh, mid-range player or, you know, an Ely Cassis or, you know, whoever it is, those players are going to become non-existent because um, they're not going to have the, the outlets to prove their worth to combine with content that they can create. So that's my number one complaint um, is the destruction of the pro system. But back to the MPL, I'm going to dominate this time. Just, just stop me. Tell me to shut up when I'm going too far. Um, but the no metric system, just having an arbitrary top 32 from last year and then having no information, a year has passed, and there's no information on how to get into this thing. Mythic points are worthless. I have 22 Mythic points because I went to two Pro Tours, did relatively well in both, but I have no shot <laughs> in getting into it, I think, because there's been an arena thing that they said, oh, there's Pro points for this too or Mythic points for this too. Uh, oh, we have discretionary invites. I don't stream. I'm 900 years old. I'm not a streamer. You know, I, I go to tournaments. I play. I have a good time. I created a brand. I thought I did pretty well, but my chances of getting in are about zero from that side. So, and it's not this, just a me thing. This is a player's 33 through 5,000 thing. This is a player's 33 through 100,000 thing. And if you think it's just Grand Prix players and that's not a big portion, it's not. Every local game store has people. This is where we all started. I started at FNM. I was started with my 83 card deck and I saw people winning PTQs and I wanted to win a PTQ. I wanted to top eight regionals. I wanted to traverse the tournament series and get to the top. And I'm not in the minority. And people think, oh, it's the casual folks that sell the game. They do. But they don't realize that these casual folks still read content. They still look at what cards are being played. They still become immersed in like, you know, um, the, the content that you provide and that we provide. So, the, the lack of metric, the complete stab in the back of all players that made this game as good as it is, 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 is it's a little bit, it's, it's beyond insulting at this point. And I'm pretty sure by the time I'm done ranting and raving, I'll, I'll end up like, you know, a disgraced general at the end, just forgotten. But I'm hoping that more people get on board Um and I've noticed even a few MPL players are kind of being a little vocal about it these days. So I can see when the actual rubber meets the road, when the pro system officially ends at the end of the year, expect a lot of turbulence for our last kind of stand here and see if Wizards are going to make any change. I, it's, I don't know. I'm, the fact that Watsi hasn't come up with a lot of information Still surprises me. Uh, Shaheen, you saw this tweet by, by I'm sure, by CFB events the other day, right? Uh, because Watsi has not yet announced her plans for 2020. We have decided not to open registration scheduling for qualifying events. We still believe we'll have qualifying events at Magic Fest and left and beyond. But we're waiting until Watsi makes its announcement. So always a lot of <laughs> missing information and, and for, for next year. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and missing information used to not be a bad thing. I made a tweet the other day, and I said, you know, they know damn well that 
we make fun of them for their announcements because they usually have announcements to announce another announcement later. That's what they did a few times at Pro Tours, and it was pretty funny. We don't even get those anymore. We get nothing. We get absences on the schedule. We get events missing. We go to a Grand Prix, and then we look, and there's no coverage. It's just no announcement, and it's clear that these decisions are being made. And the lack of transparency where from a company that used to be so transparent that they would hear our voices on social media and they would respond and they would implement because they know that we drive the game. Um, the, the fact that they are just, it's not even a deaf ear or a blind eye. They are completely blocking us out um, outside of the top 32 players. And I, I, I'm not going to mention by name who, but another pro mentioned me, and this is obviously going to cause a little uh, secret pro intel here, but they say they were brilliant. They paid 32 players, the most vocal players in the world, some of them are, a salary to shut up. And they have. And I, I don't blame them. I, I do not hold them accountable for not being the ones to be outspoken about, but they know it's messed up. Um, Jerry famously quit knowing it's messed up. Um, and it's just one of those things where they are they are not seeing the big picture. I'm not a marketing expert by any means, but I'm also not a dummy. And I know if you just look around, you can't find an area of the game where gold pros aren't the reason why it's big or silver pros, or at least people that have a dream to be those people that try to be those things. Um, and they're going to, they're going to pay the price later in the game, unless these announcements or lack of announcements means they are giving up on paper magic. And if that is the doomsday scenario for us, you know, if that's, uh, you know, how we extrapolate that, um, you know, there's a reason that our voices are being ignored because they, that's, if that's their plan, then everything we're saying, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's just, you know, you guys, are, <laughs> you'll get your pink slips in the mail soon because we're going to be going full digital soon. And it's just pretty unfortunate. Um, I, there, there have been some in the MPL that, that, a select few that have been vocal and and maybe others that that um are speaking in different languages so i don't know but but ben stark on, on his stream on twitch he's been highly critical and uh alex less less so on very public forums like twitter or on his stream i'm not sure but definitely on the podcast we both do he's been critical on on, on some of the trust not not as candid as um like ben stark i feel like has been pretty candid in his disappointment um, yeah, he, he's he's mentioned a few times that seventy whatever thousand is not enough to make him shut up. So, <laughs> and that's he says everyone has their price, but that's not his price. And I think that, and I hate to say it, and this is something that might get me in trouble, but I feel like these folks, they're good people. Ben Stark's a, a fantastic human being, a, 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 one of the best players of all time. But I think he's being a little bit disingenuous when you talk about the amount of criticism they're dishing out because honestly if it feels like they're saying what is allowed to be said still it feels like they're saying they're they're still beating around saying i a lot of i hope wizards will blank i hope that this is not the the trend and it's not enough for to be to be considered part of the folks really protesting uh what's happening here i mean obviously the extreme would be jerry um but again, like I said, I don't blame them. If I was them, you got to make a living. You're you're supporting a, your family. You're you're advancing your interests. This is this is a game we play. We're, we're I'm not. I haven't donated all my winnings to charity. You know, I'm I. <laughs> I, 
I take the money and I, I use it for what I need to do for life. So um, I have no gripes with any of that. And there, I, I forgot there's one vocal player, I think a Latin American player. He's, he's the most, I, I should pull the name up real quick. There's one of the MPL players who really, he, he's, he's pushing it. And he makes me kind of give a little hope that maybe there could be something uh, made more of a grassroots from their perspective. But like I said, I don't think they care. And that's one of Jerry's complaints was he said that he voiced uh, his dis disapproval, disagreements, and he wanted answers, and there were – it was crickets. So it's not like they have more power than we do even in that perspective. Um, but obviously it's just like in medieval times or in revolutionary times, right, when you – are standing around with your pitchforks and you see the town going to, you know, to hell and you see a few people that are whining and dining and still enjoying the perks, people are going to have a natural, you know, animosity toward them. Um, and it's not me, it's not the top thousand, it's not 2000, but it's definitely the masses who want a way, even if it's not an achievable dream, I don't think platinum has never been an achievable dream for me. I don't have, I can't, I do not put the time in for it. I, I've never, wanted it because I know I did I never was going to put the energy into it but that dream for some people is enough to keep them going and just having no metric to get in you see people getting in left and right um but and you're confused on how you're like well what about me I want to uh there's a, a few vocal women on Twitter that really want a way to get in well as well um that have mentioned hey maybe the top women from each um uh, area of the world I think Ben made that same uh, recommendation and they want a way into everybody who wants representation in the game wants a metric still to get in. Um, and I think they're just, they're really fumbling around making decisions. And I don't know, I don't know who's honestly pulling the strings here. Uh, I just, I, I know that organized play under Helene was, it had its flaws, but the flaws, like I said, this is what really gets me all, you know, agitated is, they, we complained by we, it was, it was some people, vocal, complained nonstop about the old pro system and then uh, about nothing. They were complaining about peanuts. And now it's like it's nothing compared to that. It almost reminds me of the, the politics here in the United States. We complain about our politicians. Now look what we got. <laughs> <laughs> you have to really pick our battles here. And, and I, for years, I said, I would, I would get blasted on Twitter because I was like, guys, are we really complaining that Wizards had a, this event for these people, like a silver showcase, whatever it is, right? I'm like, I understand the anger of it. You're mad that some people got some beta packs. Now look. Now that's what that's like nothing now, right? We would beg for that to return, to have <laughs> the pro system back, and a few giveaways to, you know, some streamers and other not notable people, so... I, I just don't know, outside of um, a, a push to make mi Paper Magic minimal, I don't see the end game for them unless they're really trying. My, my best guess is, my best educated guess is that they're pushing profit margins. They're going to pick, uh, they're going to get big numbers for Hasbro, and they're going to boast that Arena and technology has done it, and it's going to work. But the long game, they're really going to pay the price, I think. They're, they're not going anywhere. Wizards is a, a monster. Magic's the best game in the world. But they're not. They're just unnecessarily making it weaker and hurting the foundation of it. So you don't, you don't expect us to turn around. You don't expect some sort of best-case scenario at this point, right? 
like what would you want to see? What, what might be possible? My best case scenario is a suggestion I wrote. I wrote a long article about one suggestion. It's just one. And if anyone representing the company watches today, take take maybe maybe take a note or two. You you need a gold level entrance. You don't need platinum. You never need a platinum. You never needed back in the day they had level pro level seven and six for uh, appearance fees. You don't need that. It's a huge sink of money for them. Um, it didn't give them the notoriety bang for their buck. It didn't promote um, the game like they wanted to. People didn't come to see the platinum pros, uh, you know, specifically. They come That's to a see, point. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of money lost there, and even in silver pros, there's money lost there too when they came to awarding. Um, if you're if you're not not money lost, but like at least like slots lost because they don't want to have 450 person pro tours anymore. So you eliminate silver pro, you eliminate bronze pro, you eliminate platinum pro. You need a way, just like any other competitive game, to get qualified for more than one event at a time. You cannot force people to go X5 at every multi, uh, mythic championship to stay on there, to have a chance at mythic points that don't really mean anything because they give them away at the arena ones anyway, so you'll never get it in the top 32. That's a whole other problem. But the one major fix, best case scenario is that they see the error of their ways. They make a, a gold level. They, don't, they can call it whatever they want. Give it a new fancy mythic name, mythic level, whatever you want to call it. And you've achieved qualification for multiple pro tours. It could be two of the four, three of the five, whatever they're going to do for numbers. It could be all of them. But you have to have something in place for people to grind toward and they achieve points through Grand Prix to bring that back. They have to bring that back points through maybe PTQs, whatever whatever they're going to do, but they have to have some kind of equivalency or they're going to lose all of us. I mean, I mean, just even if the audience right now, everyone out there listening, and you guys, if you think in your mind for a minute, try to think how many content producers haven't tried to go for that type of dream. Or think about your local game store, because people are like, oh, people at the local game store, they don't care about that. They're all casual. That's Maybe you guys live in bad areas that don't have any, <laughs> that don't have good tournaments run. Because in my area, there's seven shops that have IQs and PTQs and all that throughout history. And we have produced two national champions, uh, runner up, multiple regional top eighters, Pro Tour gold members. If you look at Virginia, you can see a lot of people that you'll recognize the name. And they all started there. And it's just, it's just not true. So, uh, best case scenario, a system. To give people hope, even if it's very difficult to achieve, don't make it 37 points. Make it 42 points. Make it 75 points. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it, any arbitrary amount to give people a shot at going around to events and trying. Otherwise, you're going to lose like the, what made the game really great. All right. I'm, I'm going to go to John. John is someone that, that was fresh. You jumped in to kind of pen magic right before started making all these changes. Does this resonate with any of you, for you? Do you care about this? Uh... Yeah, I, I kind of do here, you know, like as Shaheen is saying, like you don't need to sell, like you, you need to sell the illusion at the very least, right? The dream. And it's a very, it's still a very cost effective way to get a lot of people hooked because even though you're offering like, you know, 20 slots, it's 30 slots and whatnot, you get, you probably get the benefit of, you know, like, Couple hundred people trying it out, trying to uh, trying to like go for the goal, you know, just to, just uh, just because like the dream is there or the goal is there, and like this uh, very recent um, run of like 
particularly like I, I know communication has been so bad uh, for them to begin with, but I'm always appalled by like how like I wasn't used to Wizards' um, method of communication or lack thereof. Then, you know, especially these days, I'm like very appalled by like the like the deafening silence that comes with everything. Like, um, just whether it's like pro level, whether it's like you know what like what are what are their visions for the MPO next year, for example? Like, no one knows. Like, and you know, like I I, I was trying to book a uh, uh, um, plans for GP Vegas, but uh, like two months before the event, they don't even have a schedule. It's like, like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, you guys, <laughs> we're 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 trying to like go to these events and trying to like you know sh uh, provide uh, pro provide money and buy your products despite all the screw ups. And you're you're not helping. You're not making it very easy for us, even for the casuals. You know, I do wonder like if the marginal benefit um, uh, of having these like pro clubs is worth it in a big bigger picture here like i'm not sure if the target should be like the casuals of the arena or they should be a mix like my vision is that you know getting the arena um getting people hooked getting new players coming into arena and um getting the competitive um scene op um growing i think it can be symbiotic and i think eventually and ideally what you want is like arena people getting hooked into arena and then learning other um, the rich history of uh, um, magic and other formats, and getting those guys in, uh, and gals interested in OP, and you know, get, getting people out that way, and it feeds off each other, and the pie gets bigger. That's my vision. Obviously, I don't know the whole like the, the whole structure and the business model and all that, but like that was my hope, and they're they're failing <laughs> miserably at that. So I, I don't know what to say here. Um, I'm very disappointed by the turnout um, of the last year, especially. Um, Shaheen, uh, just just quick, um, what what would you define uh, in in like a short sentence? What what the dream is? Um, the dream for it, the dream is always growing. The dream is always evolving. Uh, my dream in two thousand two was to top eight a PDQ, and then my dream was to top eight regionals. And then my dream was to make it to the Pro Tour. And the dream continues to evolve. And the dream eventually became to be Kai Boot. I wanted to, I wanted to win a Pro Tour. I wanted to be the man. Um, and I practiced so hard back then. Um, and then I really had a lot of success early in my career. Um, I spent every last dollar I had to go to Paris for Worlds in 2006. And uh, I'm sure I mentioned that once on the show every three times or so how I drew myself in the ninth and I, you know, think of it every day and it's really sad and I'm getting, you know, just regretting it right now, even mentioning it again. So, uh, but that was an iconic tournament for me, even though I didn't make it, even LSV came up to me in that tournament. He's like, Hey man, come hang out with us. And it was, it was pretty cool. You know, you just don't, those are the things that I, I dreamed about then as far as the game goes. And magic is not like board games. It's not like, a video game you play it's it's definitely a lifestyle because people even the casual players actually more so the casual players embedded into their everyday life or every week life where they have weekly commander tournaments that they or uh, get together at the houses and they they play uh, cube drafts and all these fun things and in the culmination is friday night magic in their dream and i know even my local area there's a group of people that have an fnm team that run, run the streets down here you know they they feel like that is that is their calling in the game um, with an eventual desire 
to go to bigger tournaments. And they went to SCG Richmond not too long ago as their first one. And we talk about it once in a while about how do they get to the Pro Tour. And I laugh. I'm like, well, you're, you're a few years late on that one. And you're, you're because of the depressing uh, arc <laughs> that's being taken, you're not going to be able to get there the way I got there. I got there with 10 different ways to get on the Pro Tour. I mean, at the peak of my SCGing, I was uh, the winner of the Invitationals got an invitation to the Pro Tour too. I think you know that's that's something that's kind of come back here and there. But there are so many ways to do it, and um, you go to the Pro Tour and the lights and the stage. You get your bag, you get your product. You're amongst the best in the world. That's the dream is to go to Pro Tours and continuously go to Pro Tours and prove you're the best, uh, or you deserve to be with the best. So that's a dream that. I have, and I, I got gold this year for the first time because I've really always pieced together my Pro Tours. I've really never gotten gold, and I've always wanted it. Um, but I've always been able to piece them together because of all the opportunities that were there. And I got gold this year, and I was pretty stoked about it until, obviously, you know, disaster struck. So, wait, wait, did I get gold this year? Gold last year. So it carried over to this year. So this is year two of gold. But it's the first time I got it. Um, but that was – so like I said, the dream is, is evolving. It's, it's never set, I don't think. I think once you reach a pinnacle, you, you, you want the next step, and it's, it's an unending desire and thirst to, to continue. And that's the competitive nature of the game. Um, I really do think there's two types of players. There's casual and there's competitive. Uh, you can do both. I mean, I love CubeGraph, my favorite format. Um, but if you're, if you're a casual player, you never venture into that realm. You, you more likely you don't. If you're competitive, you may just be an FNM competitor, you may be an IQ competitor, an open competitor, a classic, but at some point it all triangulates and people start to try to go for the top. Think about the game right now if SCG wasn't around for America. In America, if SCG wasn't around, um, there would be an entire another subset of people that create content and that become international all-stars that would be that wouldn't exist today. Um, and uh, Magic, if it goes that way, Star City will be the only beacon of the East Coast exactly in the United States. And then, of course, you have the face-to-face -face opens. They're doing great also. But there's these third-party groups. They can't do it on their own. You need a centralized dream for these people to go to the Pro Tour and interact with actual the professionals. Um, and I think that's the ultimate dream for, for these players. So, um, <laughs> You do ramble <laughs> That's a one sentence. That's a one sentence. No, you you invite me on and talk about this. <laughs> uh, uh, for, for the casual listeners who are not familiar with all the details, it just sounds like if I can boil it down really quick, is that you want people to have something to achieve at different levels of their progression, ultimately leading to the the highest level, which is being on the pro tour, multi, different paths of, of being able to quote unquote stay on the train. Um, but I'm going to go with Andy. Andy, for you personally, though, like, are things okay? Just you know, the MCQs uh, with the, between the MCQs and the qualifying via MTG Arena by being in the top a thousand is that okay for 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 you? Uh, no, and this is from someone who I've never like chained together silvers or anything like that. But I felt like I was always like. I felt like there was times where I was playing at a level that like silver was attainable and like all I had to do is like spike a Grand Prix and then I think I could possibly convert. It, it never happened, but I always felt like that was like maybe that was my potential, at least with the amount of time I was able to put into it. 
But I used to always say that one of the best things about Magic is that uh, no matter how you wanted to play, there was a way to play for you. If you wanted to play casually at home with your friends, it was awesome. If you wanted to just like have a little competitive outlet locally, it was awesome. <clears throat> but when it comes to like having like competitive scene on the biggest stage, it's really like it's not financially responsible sometimes to like chase that dream. It's like uh, really, really just for the for people with disposable income or like the top top level players. And I think that's uh, not a not a great look. I do love the the arena qualifiers because though I hate the I hate laddering. It's like emotional distress trying to ladder for me at least. I I hate it, but I do like that it's a system you can just stay at home and qualify via that. I think one change that I would make that seems relatively simple is like to let people who have qualified for a pro tour like play ptq still and just like use it later i think that is like a pretty easy fix that i would love to see that way like the super enfranchised players who qualify for a pro tour are still incentivized to keep playing at all the events that they can because like they qualify for a ptq and the next week there's another ptq and they can't play but just let them play and then maybe they can just tag it on next time it doesn't even cost wasi any invites but it might uh encourage people to more people to play which is kind of what they want at least for the competitive players especially like a, a really competitive player spikes a grand prix now they can go play ptqs and try and chain those together get a lot of mythic points right so that's like another incentive that they could do that doesn't actually cost them slots really because <clears throat> it's just someone else is getting that slot for that tournament so i would like to see that happen as far as everything else uh Shaheen really hit the nail on the head. Uh, the MPL is, it did not hit, <clears throat> it missed. And it's funny because I was super excited when I saw it. I was like, wow, this is going to be absolutely awesome. But it seems like the real value is just paying the top players to stream. Like everything else was kind of like, whoops. Like maybe what they should have done is just pay the top players to stream. Maybe it should just be the streaming contract and allocate the other funds elsewhere. And I think a lot of the top players would still like that because a lot of those funds are going to come back to them anyway, but it opens up the game to everyone else and not just those specific players while still giving them like a healthy cushion to stream with. Like if you're getting told like, Hey, we're going to pay you 50,000 a year to stream like 50,000 is like, well, it's pretty good money for example, but also like you get to keep all your subs and the whole time you have this cushion to play with that. You know that like you're going to be safe this first year of full-time streaming. And so I think maybe like something like that, like cutting down the MPL to being more like separate the streaming and the competitive magic money part of it. And then maybe you can use that money to help uh, this uh, gold, like the gold, gold level pro, which is kind of what everyone wants to come back type of thing. I think maybe you could fund it that way. But uh, once again, I'm not, I'm not a, not an expert on marketing. I uh, will never claim to be, I just, I hope something changes. Maybe it's sometimes I feel like it might be a coincidence that like I'm working a lot and I'm doing a lot of school, but I might take a whole PTQ season off and just not go to a single event. And I don't think I've ever done that before. I don't even like look at when the moto PTQs are. I just don't even bother playing them. <laughs> um, man. Well, wait, for wait, Andy, is that is that like a direct response to the changes? Like that, that's surprising because like I think you were you were playing like a bunch of PTQs before, or grinding online before. 
I played a lot of paper PTQs. I I did not play a lot of moto PTQs because I felt like if I was going to book the time off, I would rather go travel, see my friends and stuff like that because I work a lot of Saturdays where I work. And I think it might just be a combination of like being burnt out from school at the same time that all this is happening. It's just like I'm not feeling as encouraged when before I would just want to go because the fire, right? The competitive fire, as they call it. John, John, what about for, for you? Like, what's your dream? And does this is this really doom and gloom for you as well? Well, thankfully, like, well, like, I, I think it's very unfortunate that people um, such as Shaheen and other people who have dedicated, you know, a quarter of their lives or half of their lives playing this great game. You know, it's like one of the most well-known and most, like, complex and developed card games out there. You know, like, there's, there's a reason why you see poker players uh, crossing over to Magic the Gathering and vice versa. You know, it's just like really fun, uh, critical thinking, you know, just like a unique game. Uh, unfortunately, I, I haven't really like sunk like years and years of it into it. Like my, my goal is still to like, you know, it's, it's, it's a casual form. It's a casual game for me. Um, I think I'm a pretty intelligent guy and I think I, I will someday like get to win a big, big tournament. You know, that, that's kind of my goal here or, you know, day two of Pro Tour. And, you know, actually like, you know, I got I got cleaned out by uh, by um, my my first pro tour did not go very well. I felt very um, overwhelmed. I felt like out of depth, right? Whereas like in GPs, you might be like facing off against like uh, F and M uh, bosses. It, at the pro tour, like there was there was no free win. There was no freebies. Every edge had to be t uh, uh, worked for. And even though it was very discouraging that you know I all through all through my draft and all and like did horribly like. That just gave me the like more fire and more hunger to come back and having a goal as um, you know Shaheen and like, everyone else has said is is so effective in like feeding feeding this uh, hobby for example and just having like ten like having even having a limited amount of slots will get you like like exponentially more benefits in that because there's so many people that will be fighting for that dream and all so. Like I still want to go to uh, go to GPS to travel. I still want to like go make the pro tour and make the pro tour day two uh, one of these days. But yeah, I, I can't help but be, feel discouraged, even though I've only played the game for like two years, and I can't even start to think, you know, what those like dedicated, devoted people who have played this for five, ten years are thinking. But you're a Vegas Open champion, man. Yeah, so that's a team event, though. Like much love to Cyrus and Marcus, but yeah, I do want to, I do want to, I do want one for myself. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's a huge achievement, um, personally. And uh, but but we don't know how much the the MPL players at, like they haven't said much uh, at least on my Twitter feed in in the recent weeks. And it's hard to to know with their with their NDA to know if they're meeting with Wasi on a regular semi regular basis. If they're keeping them in touch with what they might do next year, we don't know that. Um, Alex isn't you know leak uh it's uh, top secret stuff to me so um may maybe there's some some good news on the horizon but uh and i, I keep thinking about uh, john poker i don't know if you were still into poker the, the last couple of years where they tried different things in terms of marketing they they had neymar and christian ronaldo as part of their ambassador and then like last year or two years ago they had kevin hart and usain bolt and then they keep dropping and and trying to promote different uh, sections of uh, different demographics, so they've taken that approach. And I mean, like you guys said, I, I think uh, the the MPL didn't work as it is, and 
maybe they will adjust it uh, for the better next year. And, and, and Andy, I think Andy said, you know, some, for me, like me personally, some Twitch streamers, it's, I don't think it's beneficial to pay them that amount of money to get sub a hundred followers or, or have sub hundred concurrent viewers and they're competing with fellow other streamers. So maybe that, that money needs to be redistributed in a different way and in, in a better way, but okay, enough about this topic. Let's move on to, to some modern, um, some sweet tech that, that people want to come on and listen here. And I mean, I don't know about you, Andy, but I always get the final nub hype. I always see it in, in either private messages to me or on Twitter, him hyping about his cabal and, or different cabals. And uh, recently he made this comment that he had an all access pass to all the cabals, uh, which was killer. And I've, I've seen Cyrus talk about this tech. I've seen uh, past guest, Matthew Stein, uh, local, who says he's planning to play this specific deck at the upcoming Mythic Championship. John, break it down. Is this deck broken? Go take it away. Yeah, well, first of all, um, Matthew Stein, a uh, friend of the, friend of the uh, cast here, he's 19-0 uh, so far, obviously very sustainable. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so uh, he's playing for his fourth uh, trophy in a row now. Uh, but uh, yeah, this, uh, this deck has been kind of... Uh, Lighting up Twitter a flame. So what this is for those people who don't know, um, I kind of call it Snake Shift. So which is the bring, bring to light uh, Scape Shift deck, which has had its moments here and there. Here it had a top uh, top eight Grand Prix by Sun Jing Ong, who's been working, uh, who is the originator of the current uh, deck version as well. Basically, Bring to Light uh, Scape Shift. What it does is it's like a four to five color color Scape Shift deck that has Bring to Light as a toolbox tool. And uh, but it was pretty weak to like linear aggro and like uh, like Delver type uh, clock plus disruption type decks like um, Grits of Shadows, and a, a confluence of factors these days, include uh, most notably the printing of War and Modern Horizon, I think has catapulted catapulted the deck to like probably top tier like tier tier one and a half. And like a lot of like uh, well-known pros and like players have uh, started to play it and test it for the pro tour. Um, um, the the key cards are uh, Snowfang Quato, which I call it the uh, Modern's Delver, as well as um, Snowlands and uh, Teferi Time Raveler. So these these are great. Um, so, uh, the Quato can be a two to two or three to three for one. Very early, uh, Teferi can bounce any problematic uh, permanence like uh, Blood Moon or Land of Sanctity while giving you tempo and shutting off like permission and all that. And the people in the uh, BTL Cabal has been uh, having a very, very good run so far. I think we were at like 80% win rate at one point. Now we're, we're probably around like 70%. I realize that the Magic Online leagues are a bit softer these days, but it checks, it checks off the smell test for me. And uh, if I was in Barcelona, I'd seriously consider playing it. Um, I, I take issue with this because did you just say maybe top tier? Yeah, maybe top tier. I, I don't know yet. It's a new deck. Maybe top tier, and then you show me a compilation of everyone's playing it, and the record is like seventy percent plus. Andy, what is this guy doing to me? He's like, <laughs> he wants to let you know he has the best thing on the planet, but he's leaving himself a little escape hatch if it's just mono red phoenix or if it's uh, whatever the blue green snake or whatever, the blue Neoform, if it ends up being one of those decks all over again where John tells me he's got a broken deck. <laughs> oh, what do you say to that, John? 
Shots fired. Well, first of all, I, I never really said claim that Neoform is tier one. I, I said it's very unreasonable. I said it shouldn't exist in the format, and I'm going to try to break it. But uh, Do Dovin's Veto and um, Force of Negation have kind of warped the format a bit. That's why I shelved it. Um, as for BTL, like I think like it, it can have gaming a lot of different uh, different meta games, and because of the toolbox nature and the fact that it plays four colors, it plays uh, it plays ramp and it plays the card bring to light. Like it can really tune itself to be good in a variety of different meta games, and the floor of having a turn four goldfish that can also play a control deck and just like outvalue you uh, if you're John or just race you if you're Tron. Like I really like I've been yearning for a con true control combo deck like Ant is in Legacy, but Modern's never had that. And I think this is legitimately a good combo control deck that has a uh, tools to answer a lot of the Modern's problems. So I think it's for real. Does it just need more time in the lab for, for you to confirm that it's it's the best deck? I kind of think so. Um, also, by the way, the uh, modern team uh, Super League is going on right now, and I think like two or three of them are playing it. Uh, Snow Snow Shift. So, Twitter is very good at in, uh, spreading information here. But um, yeah, like, I think it's a very hard deck to build. It's a toolbox deck. A lot of the one-offs are very crucial. The land base is very crucial because uh, Cyrus affectionately calls it a bant deck that happens to play twelve mountains, and it's very tricky to like fetch and like have the right land base because like one mistake can be lethal. So I think it needs a bit of iteration um, and the metagame to settle because we're pretty much in a new metagame, right? Like because Hogax been banned and War and Modern Horizons has had so many, produced so many like eternal impacting cards. So like, I think we need a bit more time for it to like, the deck to stew and like settle, settle in, but I think it has a very good potential. Andy, Andy, I got this Facebook message from from Jonathan Zhang. It says Matt is nineteen zero with Scape Shift, Snake Shift. So, also, Andy, have you been playing? What are your thoughts overall about the format? Are are you still jamming some Phoenix games? Have you had time? Go ahead. Yeah, I have played uh, more Phoenix, and the deck's just the deck's just good. There's nothing about it. It's not worth that much time for me to explore it at the moment because most of the things are already kind of known about it. I tried that Grixis Urza deck, and honestly, it felt like I didn't know what I was doing most of the time, but then I would just stop to short people. I actually did, did pretty well, even though the deck's kind of got a lot of stinkers in it. As far as this Bring Delight Scapeshift deck goes, I uh, I think it has a lot of good things going on, and I, I believe me, I love me some Bring to Light Scapeshift. I played that deck when it was bad, and I remember doing very well with it. But there's some things about it that I take issue with. The first thing is the second planes. That is one of the most disgusting lands I've ever seen in a deck. The second planes makes no goddamn sense. What? What? If you ever played basic planes and then realized you can't cast anything anymore, I know there's supreme verdict, but like, if you're not fetching like one of your duels or something, like, I'm not feeling it to say the least. So the basic planes is sickening. And I like the one-ofs that are unfetchable. We got one Jace the Mind Sculptor in case you feel like cheating that day and putting in Jace the Mind Sculptor with Bring the Light. You got the Engineered Explosives, have, just in case you draw it, I guess, with, with your almost no-card draw deck. Like, uh, there's some packages that I really like about Bring the Light Scapeshift. Like, there's some metagames where, like, the... 
madcap experiment package is super good and that's always something i keep my eye on because uh, sometimes against some decks it's a free win but i don't think it's a free win these days anymore and uh yeah there's a lot of things to to build around but uh I think it's uh, missing some things. And I always thought one of the biggest sells to this was being a good Cryptic Command deck. And you're only playing one Cryptic Command. So I guess it's kind of a different deck now that you have the Ice Fang Codal. But uh, I would be interested to see how good it is. Because it does... I do love to play the deck as much as it uh, stinks sometimes. John, you want to you want a quick rebuttal yeah. here? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me just rebut on the behalf of the uh, BTL BTL cabal here. Um, we we did come to re uh, realize that uh, the second planes is expendable. Um, we cut like the second uh, the second planes and a uh, sacred foundry for another basic mountain and a misty. I think the green source is very key. Um, as for uh, Shaheen and uh, Andy's comments about EE here, like I understand that EE cannot be tutored. However, I think it's just more a matter of like just like early gameplay and like density of answers. And um, every time E has been drawn and cast, like it's been it's been great against like humans or against like Phoenix to kill like multiple things or um, Aria plus the Blood Moon and all that. Blood Moon's actually not like it, it's obviously effective, but like the Dex has a lot of play against Blood Moon as well. So it's not as much of a like a one hit KO as people think it is. Um, Jay's like it's experimental. It can't be fetched. Um, we're testing like uh, the fake um, what is it called? Drawn from dreams. I think fake dig through time as well as fact of fiction. Like we think like uh, a second ultratized command or another grindy card at the first spot is probably good, but we don't know what, what that is yet. Um, it just goes back to my point earlier that like this deck is very hard to build. The mana base not only is very tricky, um, and like the one ofs and like. The, the, ba the balance of like interaction versus ramp versus payoff, et cetera, I think it's very, very hard to get right. Um, so I think it'll take a lot of iterating, but um, this is a deck that um, I haven't been excited to play a uh, control deck in a lo long time, if ever. And uh, yeah, the fact that I'm like iterating on it, I think speaks volumes because I only, I only play memes or very good decks. And I, think <laughs> it's, I don't think this deck is a meme. <laughs> Shaheen, uh, what are your thoughts on this deck? And uh... Tell us, tell us what the, the control cabal is thinking. Um, I think this deck's sweet. I, I wouldn't, I don't know how. I think we're calling a lot of things control decks these days, but this is is definitely a good deck. I think because my there has been rumblings in my team about it. Um, lost to a few times in the league. I'm sure we're one of your 19 casualties recently. Um, but it's it's definitely one of those powerful. Uh, decks that have a combo kill that can operate without the combo for a long period of time. Uh, I like the Teferi aspect of being able to cast these things at instant speed at, at worst and at best drawing cards and bouncing threats. I mean, I think Teferi is like a card that I want to play in Barcelona. Um, it's a card that when it was previewed, I said it was going to bust every format that it touches. Um, I mean, because, you know, you, people pay five mana for that premium and you're getting it for a stack ability on three that draws a card. So I, I think the deck is good. I think it's a lot better than the one, um, the versions played by Andy and those in prior days. Obviously, um, yeah, all the escape shifts were all kind of joke decks back then, but I think now it's it's actually this version and seeing having a, access to uh, Baleful Strix-style card early on, which is huge in this deck. I mean, obviously, it's your four of in the deck because... I mean, you used to get run over back in the day, and this this is like the card you needed to to prevent that. Um, 
And I think it, it looks really soft to blue-white control, except when Teferi resolves and blue-white can't win. So it really depends on, you know, how you can maneuver that. And I think it's a very this would be a very skill-intensive matchup. I haven't played against it personally, um, but I see, like, if you don't stick to Teferi, I can see it being pretty tough in the first game. Um, and then even in games two and three. Let me look at the sideboard here. Let me, let me take a gander at this thing. How many throw on the last trolls we got here? Zero. zero. <laughs> yeah, look at the sideboard. It's, it's more, these are like real cards. Um, yeah, it looks like it's would have a hard time against control decks. But, I, you know, it's funny too because my plan, I guess what well, was part two of that question, my, my Barcelona deck, uh, I have no problem talking about it. I'm probably going to be Celestial Colonnading because I am stupid. So, um I just it's it won a Grand Prix in a banned format. It's, it's tough for me to shake it, and I think Blue White Control is at its best in Eternal formats when there are three, four decks, because you can just gear your sideboard and just dominate decks that rely on the graveyard. I mean, you pack four rest and peace and surgical, you're going to plow every deck that needs graveyard uh, strategies to win. So I think when the meta game is shrunken, Blue White is obscene. Um, and it, it was proven in that Grand Prix pretty easily. Uh, I think the metagame is now expanded back again, so I think it's pretty risky to play it. Uh, but I'm just hoping that the metagame is exactly what I'm predicting here. I think you're going to have a decent portion of um, these 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 kind of like out there can combo decks that Dovin's Vita is good against, like this deck, like Grixis Urza, like uh, you know any other uh, combo decks that rely on resolving one or two spells. I think it's strong against if people play like the aggressive decks again, like goblins. If that is a thing, I am pretty confident with. I'm playing a supreme verdict deck um, and tested pretty well against it. Uh, so I, I'm pretty confident that blue white is one of the better decks in the format. I think it was tier one for the first time in its seven, eight year existence last weekend, two weeks ago before the banning. Um, now I think it's pushed to tier 1.5 ish. It, obviously the control deck and it's going to be you know eight nine percent of the field at the pro tour so i think if you're going to play this deck for those watching at home uh this uh escape ship deck you need to make sure you have a good blue white plan i'm actually curious to see john's opinion on um how his azorius matchup is beside your 19-0 killing spree here yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a, a expert here, but um, Sun Jing, who has top aided uh, a Grand Prix in um, with the BTL, um, when the format is really aggressive, um, and who has been iterating on these like blue escape shift decks, um, he thinks he's it's pretty good. And the reason he gave was we do have the ramp, and we do have like instant speed ways to just like try to like delve delve blue white out with like coatos and snapcasters while having. Light permission and to ferry to just try to combo and multi, like multi spelling one turn sort of thing. Um, the the games have felt um, okay so far personally, and um, but I think it's a very very um, context driven uh, player skill dependent matchup. And um, if anyone's playing blue white out there, like I know a few people are already considering. Uh, this BTL deck, and you know, one of the dredge is like well, well known. Like blue white against is a phoenix should be pretty well known right now. And this is one thing like I, I would um, recommend like just like jamming a lot for those people playing blue white. So I I think like the ramp aspect and the mana advantage advantage aspect makes sense, and I think the deck can tune itself to be good against blue white. 
on the base level, it's probably 50-50, if not a bit favorite uh, favorite for um, escape shift, but I think it's definitely uh, very skill dependent. I can buy that. I think that you're right. I have seen uh, like the blue-eyed decks by like uh, Doom Switch, and the, basically that was the winner of the Grand Prix. His list was pretty light on uh, counter magic. I think then this new format, uh, the blue-white list I'm running is playing uh, three two-mana counter spells, a spell snare, and then three force negation main with two Teferi and three Narset. So I'm pretty heavy on the blue permission. Um, so I guess, again, it, it's funny, too, because whoever you ask, it just depends on their, their build as well. Like, obviously, my build is built in a way where um, I do not want to see, like, humans game one. I don't want to see burn. Like, these are, these creature decks are going to have a severe advantage over me based on my build. I'm only playing one oust, uh, very light on the removal. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it makes sense on paper, but you're right. The modern's weird now. You, you need to play games. They're, they're, especially the different builds of BTL that you're describing. It can be one card here, one card here. The one-offs are so important. I think that the matchups are going to be wildly hard to disgage based on paper versus paper here. You're going to have to get in there and test it. Um, this is going to be a good Mythic Championship. I was wrong about Modern Horizons, and I, I, I'm happy to walk it back on Twitter uh, I was arguing with um, somebody from SCG, I think his name, uh, Dom, about how I don't, I didn't think Modern Horizon is going to be uh, as impactful as like War has been because of how great Teferi and uh, Narset have been. Uh, and I'm wrong. I mean, it, Modern Horizons in every deck has created like new archetypes. It's it's definitely made the impact that it was intended to do. And um, Maybe I was wishful thinking because it's made modern much more convoluted and complex uh, with the printing and then the ban of bridge from below. Even Hogak still around. I'm playing against it online. My team's still testing different Hogak decks because it's still an explosive deck uh, even without the bridge from below. So I, I think that modern is back to the Wild West of 30 different decks, and it's not looking good for a deck like mine, but it makes a deck like yours look promising where – you can play the control game and gear your deck to beat certain things, but you always have a 30% chance just to murder opponents that don't have any interaction. I do think the open deck list does uh, disproportionately help Blue Light. Um, I did a bit of uh, dumpster diving uh, uh, for PT London, and the Blue White decks that have done well, like this was before the time where uh, main deck graveyard hate was standard, and literally all of them had one to two main deck. Uh, hate a uh, piece of like surgicals and rest in peace and when you have open deck list you can be more selective about the hands you keep and you know you can aggressively dig more uh more for that sort of um that sort of uh hate so um i i, I agree that um a deck like john or blue white is less favored when the um format is wide as, as opposed to like uh narrow and targeted but i do think the open deck list will uh, does make a material difference and should influence people's uh, deck and card choices yeah, open deck list made blue white obscene. I played blue white at London and went seven three in the format. I lost to two control decks, so it's not like my deck was weak against the field. I lost to Esper and then Jeskai, both were pretty bad matchups. Um, but my and then I lost to um, Amulet. But I beat. I played ten different archetypes, ten different decks, um, and I with open deck list like against Yuza. I'm like, oh, well, again, my path supreme verdict, Snapcaster hand draw. I feel to ruin surgical aura. You're dead. So I mean, it's. The open deck list were, was obscene for control just for the reasons you mentioned. I aggressively mulliganed all day. I shipped white hands when I played against 
control decks or combo decks. I shipped blue hands and I played against aggro decks. I mopped the floor with humans and uh, the uh, core deck that I played against because I was able to ship a hand that couldn't beat those decks. And there's no, no deck that's more advantage than with open deck lists than a control deck that when drawing the right side of your deck, you will destroy your opponent. So I, Azorius is definitely favored in a format with open deck lists. Um, but I still don't think people buy it because, again, Azorius has been pretty garbage for eight years. Uh, all the control decks have been. And I mean, it has little spurts of success here and there. Um, but in a wide format like you described, it's not a safe choice. But at this Pro Tour, I, I see there are people asking me for my list that are uh, kind of big wigs out there and they want to discuss blue-white um, because they know the open deck list rant that I went on or they've, they've realized it themselves how powerful it is to know, hey, I'm playing as Tron, not trying to dig for a field of ruin, especially with the new mulligan rules. I was able to really take advantage of that. And um, you know what? It's fine. It's, it's fair anyway. Everyone knows what I play every time I sit across from them. So it's my turn to find out what they play. Kind of justice. So. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's wrap things up. Um, Shaheen, what, are you still writing articles despite this, uh, being disfranchised? Uh, what's up with you uh, in, in the near future? I am writing articles still for StarCityGames.com. I am still a proud member of TeamFaceToFace.com. Um, repping both sides here. I really like the third-party groups that run Magic, and they're still the bread and butter. They're the bread and butter of the game, and they're going to keep being on the bread and butter of the game. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to play Magic till I die. Um, I'm going to probably heavily switch to the Open Series next year after I undoubtedly fall off from uh, the lack of a pro system. So look for me in the Open Series. Uh, I don't plan on playing any Grand Prix next year or MCQs, and um, you know, unless there's some drastic changes. And that's my – it's not even a form of protest. It's my form of this is going to be the more fun route to have some notoriety. So I'm not going anywhere. Article's still coming out. You know, I love you guys. I'll come on, rant anytime you all want, and – you know, like I said, the game's too good for me to go away. I'm not, I'm not quitting the game, and, and I hate that argument. If you don't like it, then why, why are you playing? You know, it's not, you don't quit on the things that have deeply been a big part of your life. So, I ain't going anywhere, bud. Sticking around. Sounds good, John. What's, what's, what's next in the next few weeks for you? Uh, I, I want to say. I'm gonna take it easy, but I'm a lunatic and I'm always uh, in the lab iterating. So um, I'm I'm still working on the Snake Shift deck. Um, I'm working on um, as Shaheen said. Like I think Hogak still has a very good uh, potential to be like the premier aggro deck, and I, I have like a pretty wacky uh, idea of uh, doing the the Hogak Vine deck with um, Hollow One, uh, Burning Curry, and Street Wraith as well. I think that uh, that idea pencils up pretty well on paper, so I'm going to be iterating on that for the next few weeks. And I really, uh, I have like a bunch of modern MCQs uh, uh, culminating in the August uh, GP Las Vegas. So um, I know people have been asking for my uh, Neoform article, and I have been working on it, but my interests are very, uh, very uh, stressed and dispersed right now. But uh, I, I promise I'll get the article out soon. But it's all modern for me. What about you, Andy? Uh, probably, uh, I'll be playing modern, and I'll try and decide if it's worth it to go to all these PTQs. <laughs> but 
But you're you're, gr you're grinding for a thousand. Who's grinding for a thousand mythic? Anyone? Anyone on here? I don't have to because I got there last month. So I it, get is, to it is almost too stressful for me to do it. Like I get disheartened every time I lose. So sometimes I, I don't do it. I can't play constructed on there. That is so hard and disheartening and it's depressing. Limited takes ten seconds, <laughs> and you never lose. Like you never leave the top thousand once you're there. Once you make it there, you're a lock for for life. Like I I've, I've never played once I hit mythic. And I've qualified both times pretty easily. <laughs> so I mean, there's less people. It's it's it's. Uh... Yeah, I qualified via limited. I qualified in like four days and then never touched it, and I didn't even leave top five hundred. No, me neither. I mean, there's if people have played constructed, more power to you. Good lord, no way. <laughs> in the in the final days of the grind, I posted on Twitter that I uh, would play a draft, and my if my draft wasn't an eight out of ten or better, I would just reroll. I would just start mm -hmm. over. Wasn't me, worth playing it out. Me too. Disposable income problems again. Back to our who were. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. As always, uh, support uh, the show at patreon.com slash first strike. Support the show by like, subscribe, by tweeting out. Um, I got some messages, some really feel good messages via Facebook, via Twitter, personal messages about what they liked about the show. And what they've enjoyed, what they've missed, if they've missed misplaced ginger or not, stuff like that. Awesome stuff. And um, with that, we'll, we'll see you next week. And we'll see if John has uh, iterated uh, on the next step in modern. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Love you all. Yeah, man.